everybody. You're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys podcast, where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned vet, we're going to give you over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you on your investing journey. Today, we've got some very, very knowledgeable guests. We are talking with Graham Parham and Aaron Stelly of Highlands Mortgage. We get questions all the time. Hey, homeboys, how do I get an investment property mortgage? What do I do? Well, this is the episode for you. These guys have been helping the homeboys for a very, very long time, and we're honored to have you guys on our show. Graham, Aaron, how we doing? Great. Thanks. I appreciate the intro. Um, yeah, we, we really enjoyed working with you and, you and all your staff, especially Jamie. I'm a big fan of hers, of course. Uh, We're blessed yeah, with some I mean, great Scott, ones. I mean, I, I, I've enjoyed, I mean, it's been, what, three years since we shook hands last, I guess, somewhere in that ballpark? Gosh, it's been, yeah, COVID happened, and then we haven't been able to see each other. We were out on that, you know, speaking circuit a little, running into each other. It's been too long. Yeah, and I, I end up buying three properties with Scott, and I've yet to see him, so I owe you a journey. So... The come sooner on, the better. Come on okay, out. Okay, good. We, we can't wait to have you. But um, we have so many clients. I, you know, not only are you a client, but you've helped so many clients, not just buy houses from the homeboys, but for people all across the nation, all over the nation, you help clients um, with a specialty in investment. Uh, you're, you're a mortgage broker, and you help them with their investment mortgages. Let me uh, expand a little bit about the terminology of broker. <clears throat> There's three segments in the lending channel. There's a retail person, which is like your Wells Fargo guy, the branch, as you alluded to earlier. And then there's a broker, which is a guy that could literally look at work out of his house with a trunk of his car and send the loans across town or out of state to a particular lender for them to process underwriting close. And then you have the correspondent bankers, which is what we are, which means we do everything soup to nuts from the application to funding. Everything's got Highlands mortgage on it. We control the transaction and then post close. A lot of times we'll sell it directly to Fannie Mae. And when we do, we keep the service on that and sometimes we'll spin it off to another aggregator it just depends on what the boys want to do that day when it comes to selling off loans yes so so you're basically you have all the bases covered because of the way that you're structured it sounds like then it's a control thing. We like to control the journey from when you make the application to the end. And when you have a broker out there in the middle, hoping they're going to do their job correctly, sometimes that can be a bit challenging. We eliminate all the challenge. I mean, we our communication is extremely strong, and we're, that's where we're known for is the service in our communication. And I want to touch on real quick, because we get this all the time, that I think it's it's very important to stress you know, going to a true investment property, you know, expert, you know, because we get people say, oh, well, my, my, my brother's wife is, uh, you know, does mortgages at Wells Fargo or, you know, or, you know, I, my, a buddy of mine from the, from college, you know, works at Chase Bank. And, you know, we try to discourage that because that is not what they specialize in. And when it comes to like investment properties, it is so vital to go to somebody like you guys at Highlands Mortgage that know the ins and outs of the investor and, you know, that investment property product that, you know, it's, it's, we can't uh, dictate what our clients always do, but 
I mean, we we try to push away anyone that would not be going to, you know, an expert, you know, like yourself. Can you kind of talk about the difference between your typical, you know, mortgage officer at a big bank and what you guys do for investors? Absolutely. The uh, over a period of time, the big banks, you know, whether they've been or making a lot of money during COVID and they're not making hardly as much money right now. Most of the time, the people that they hire are, quote, newbies or get, they pay them a small salary. They put them in a branch. And if you walk in, you can get a loan from them or either that or you can call this 800 number. Hopefully you'll get a brain on the other end. And I'm doing my best not to criticize the big institutions like you say, the Chase, the Wells. But, you know, as far as a banking entity, you know, even B of A, Bay of A, Chase, well, all of them do a great job when it comes to banking, you know, car loans, even HELOCs, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when it comes to mortgage lending, I really think that's where they fall short. And then you have to go into the investment category. And that's where sometimes their brain explodes. I've done loans myself with other institutions and I show them my schedule of real estate. And I did that. I tried to do that once three or four years ago with Wells Fargo. And they came back and said, I can't do this loan because I don't understand how to read your uh, REO, which is the schedule E on your real estate. Okay. It's like, okay, that's a no big deal. We, we chew those up daily. You know, it's no big. So a lot of times they don't understand that. They don't understand what a 1031 exchange is. They don't understand what an LLC is. They don't understand what's the debt to income. They don't understand that actually can get a loan, which they can. It's real simple. And Aaron, you know, uh, you kind of take us from the start to finish kind of how we look at, because Aaron's more involved when the application comes in to get it to the finish line. So he can kind of tell you some of the, the crazy things that he's experienced with dealing with banks, if you will. Right. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron, why don't you why don't you tell us um, to the average listener, even investors out there who have maybe bought one or two houses and went through a normal mortgage person, whether it's a bank or a broker or whatever, and re- and found how hard it was, or someone who has never done it. Tell us about that process with you guys and and why it is that we have our clients call up you guys. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, like Graham kind of previously said, everything we have over here is in-house from, uh, you know, of course, me and Graham on the front end, but our assistants, our processors, our underwriters, our closers, we've got the same uh, team assembled, if you will, that works on every single one of our loans. Uh, it's, it's rinse and repeat. We like to think that that we kind of have it down to a science. There's a lot of niches that come with these investment property loans that we've seen or had clients come to us time and time again over who maybe they originally started it uh, with, you know, a big bank who maybe they did a primary loan with just out of ease of that communication lines. And and maybe they get it locked, maybe they get appraisal ordered, it started, but then it gets in front of the underwriter and everything just kind of breaks loose. So, we pride ourselves over here of uh, almost being preliminary underwriters on the front end. And, and when we get your loan application in, we look at all the stuff that our underwriters, that we know our underwriters are going to look at. And when we issue that pre-approval, we know that that's going to hold weight when we say, hey, we're going to close in 20 days. We're closing in 20 days. No questions asked. There's not going to be any surprises. Uh, but it, it really is what's kind of awesome to learn is a lot of people don't realize how easy it is really to qualify for these Fannie Mae Freddie loans. 
And we pride ourselves again on, on doing our best to, to get people to qualify. There's a lot of niches that come with these uh, that we tap into all the time. For example, you don't have to previously own a home or a primary home to qualify for one of these loans to start growing your portfolio. Uh, we can even credit back what that potential income is going to be on that property to a degree. So there's lots of things that we use to qualify. Let me uh, let me pause you right there because I want to yeah. I want to really hammer home this point. That get this all the time. This is yeah, important stuff. Yeah, this is very important. So there's a lot of folks out there that live in markets where it's no longer really attainable for them to own a home. You know, we've got uh, some friends out in California that uh, they rent. They're high income earners, but they still rent, and they didn't realize that they could get a mortgage on investment properties. Here and now they've got portfolios like you wouldn't believe. So they don't even own a primary residence because where they live, it's not it's not feasible. It doesn't make sense. The numbers don't work. So for those out there that have never gotten a mortgage, never bought a home, you can still do this. You can still reach out to, to Aaron and Graham and make these kinds of things happen. And yeah. to, to, to add a little bit to what Aaron was saying is uh, a lot of the lenders, they, they don't understand what he just explained. Like the, 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 we have a thing when we order appraisal, there's three reports within the appraisal, the regular Fannie appraisal, there's a uh, operating income statement, and then there's an average market rent. And every provider and turnkey that we work with uses that number to rent their house out. So what we do is we pretty much use 75% of that rent proposed rent from the report, even if there's not a tenant in there. And there's a lot of banks that won't do that. Most okay? won't. Most yeah. won't. Yeah. And a lot of banks won't do it unless you're a primary. Uh, if you have a primary residence, they won't give you an investment right. property. It's crazy. We do a lot of kids that live in the, their parents' basement all the time. And when we do a validation of their uh, of their uh, residency, we just get a letter from their parents say, yeah, my, my kid lives in the basement for free. No big deal. That's awesome. See, this is, this is what, it's so neat because there are, there are ways to level up for this next generation. Uh, I know real estate sounds like it's unattainable if you just listen to the news, but there's markets all over the country where real estate is incredibly affordable. We talk about the affordability index on here and people are, their minds are blown when you show them that houses are just as affordable today as they were basically throughout history, um, you know, recorded history. And you get so much pushback. I get so that. much pushback. <laughs> It's the math. I, I I don't know what to tell you. The statistics are the yeah. statistics. It, it is what it is. This is you know these are people smarter than all of us. That that I think the last time he's talked about it though that you know, someone actually commented liar liar yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm not the one creating the affordability index. It's me people way above my pay grade and it is what it is. The facts are the facts. But anyway, there, there's this is accessible for anyone. It's it's this is not for the elite. This is not for the ultra wealthy. This is for regular people to be able to build wealth and level up. And this younger generation needs to get on, get on board and understand how easy this is. If you call the right people, there's only five mortgage brokers, bankers in the nation, five total in the entire nation that I would ever send a client to five total people. And we've got two of them on this podcast today. So for anyone who hasn't done this or has had frustration, I, I hope you're, you're really listening close because these guys are, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not trying to sell you on these guys. You do whatever you want in life, but 
there's truly only a handful of experts in this field that can make your life easy and make that leveling up easy. And we've got two of them on this show. Scott, I have to uh, comment on uh, what you said earlier. Uh, you know, you had a guy that uh, was living at home and then he did his first loan, didn't think he could get it and he got it. Next thing you know, he's got a huge portfolio. I think that's a great success story. I kind of did the same thing about 19 years ago. I kept seeing all these tax returns come across my desk going, what do these guys know that I don't? Nothing. They're just doing it. Okay. So I went ahead and jumped in. I bought a property from one of my investors, sight unseen. And I went through the experience. And when I was done, I went, well, that's no big deal. I ended up buying eight the rest of the year because it was that easy. Yeah, it's so much easier than people think, and it's it's we talk about it all the time. Our day job is our day job. We help clients buy houses. We you know we we flip houses. But at our core, we, you I know are just like this too. At our core, we are investors ourselves. We believe in the power of owning long term cash flowing assets, rental properties. We believe in this, and we do it. And the reason we have our day job is so that we can afford to invest on our own, just like I know you do, Graham. And so we believe in what we're doing. And it's a, real estate's such an amazing thing. It's the only thing you can go out there and go to a mortgage broker or banker and say, hey, give me some money to invest. You can't do that with anything else. Try calling up your, your, your local bank and saying, I want to invest in some crypto. Can you give me a loan? <laughs> it's impossible. It's, this is the only way a normal American, not ultra wealthy, can leverage up and Real estate's the most powerful tool to be able to do that because of guys like you are able to make this um, make this attainable for normal people. Well, when you're talking about leveraging up, I, why don't we talk about scale for a little bit? Because I think we see it in our world with a lot of our customers. We get cu- we get people that gets one, two, maybe three houses, and then say, you know what? I think they 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 get this mental block where they think then they're done that they can't do. They can't do anymore. Um, can you talk about the ability to scale and kind of the expectations for that? Well, I tell people all the time, and it's like just rolls out of my mouth every day. If I can approve you for one, I can approve you for 10. Okay. Because Fannie Mae will allow you to go up to a no greater than 10 loans after that. And you're into a different category, which is where I'm at. But the reason why we can do, if I can do one, I can do 10. It all has to do with the income. Okay. So if you're buying a hundred thousand dollar house, let's just say the rent's a thousand dollars, your principal interest tax and insurance and management's like say 700, there's $300 cash flow coming in, which is going to be offsetting the liability and any other expenses, which means your debt to income just went down. So you keep adding to that. The key is every time you buy a new property, if there's a tenant in it, Let's do that one and go to the next one. It's really that easy. And even on the first one, you know, we give them rental credit, even if the tenant's not in there. So there are ways around that to help them expand. But don't don't let the big banks or some of these other misnomers saying, yeah, you have to stop at four, because that's an old rule that happened after 08, you know, when they were trying to slow the things down. Now we're all the way to 10, all straight to Fannie Mae. At the very minimum, people should plan on getting 10 houses. They just should. Your portfolio should be, that should be the the starting goal, in, in my opinion, that you should plan out to getting to 10 because it's it's feasible, it's doable, and it can be done using Fannie Mae backed mortgages. So, well, well, you're absolutely right, Scott, because if you lose a tenant out of one and you only want own one, then the, that's a little more painful if you lost a tenant 
on one, you have 10. Because if I lose a tenant, I'm going, okay, well, then you're going to get another tenant, put it in there. I just never worry about it. I have no idea. The Clinton, I have no idea if our homes are tenanted. None. I don't, I, I couldn't tell you if, how many, how many vacancies do you have? Do we have? No zero. idea. Zero. Yeah, we probably have zero. Though. I knew that. Yeah, okay. so, well, he so, knows. So, I don't. So don't. Don't don't discount me yeah. here. You know, my intelligence. <laughs> but I at, but I mean, it's, it, is, it is zero. We have zero vacancy. But we don't always know because no, we, we have no. such a large portfolio that it doesn't matter. It's it's the, the law of averages. It doesn't hurt. But I remember when I was getting started in my 20s and I would have a vacancy or two. Holy, that was so scary. You know, because it's such a large portion of your portfolio then. But, you know, you, you're right. When you get to 10, you your risk level goes down a little bit because you're going to have the other ones to carry you. you know? Yeah, I just think that that mental block exists with a lot um, of real estate investors, period. You know, they, like they'll, they'll say, all right, I'm going to get serious about investing in real estate. Then they get one. And then the next thing they know, you're five years down the road. And you stopped at one and you didn't do anything else. You know, and I just, we try to encourage people, if you're going to get into this, you know, keep going, you know, and di- diversify a little bit. You know, this is a world where if you do it conservatively and do it the right way, more is better. But, you know, we always kind of stress doing it conservatively. So, you know, talking about that, can you talk about the down payment um, a little bit and what, you know, pe- most people can expect? I think Aaron can share with that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll jump in there. There always there there is a fifteen percent down option when it comes to lease loans, but uh, really the minimum that we see across the board is twenty percent down. And uh, really, the main difference we see is between twenty and twenty five percent down. And uh, the twenty five is always going to edge out a better rate. So ultimately, at at the end of the day, it's always going to end you know end up that particular client's goals and what they're looking to do. If they want to save that extra 5% for another property and take that, you know, slightly higher rate, we've got a, a lot of borrowers who opt to go that way. Uh, or if, you know, they, they plan to have this loan in place for this foreseeable future, a lot of ours will, you know, opt to go with the 25% down, uh, edge out the better rate. But uh, going back to, you know, the down payment and and what we look at and and what people just don't really realize about, these loans is how easy they are to qualify and and to to put it you know really really simply we look at three things at the end of the day income credit and assets so we take a look at your assets and we look at do you have enough to put down the 20 percent plus closing costs there's a small reserve requirement we don't care really about the account that it comes from as long as it's their name if they have it we check that box credit we can technically go down to a 620 uh, we ran a report last year, and I think our borrowers averaged like a 750, 760 credit score. But if you have a 680, if you have a 660, you can still get these loans all day. That does not have to discourage you. And the last thing we look at, you have credit assets, and the last thing we look at is income. And with that, we do look at a debt-to-income ratio. Uh, but you know, it all boils down to if, if you have a job, uh, then you know we can use that income. We can tap into this future income you're going to get on the investment property. And it's really easy to qualify. Uh, and, and we get this information all back to the borrower within, you know, one to two days of turning in that application to us. It's amazing so, that one of those three boxes, one of those three main things, the property itself helps them qualify for. That's an amazing, the property that they don't own is used to help you qualify. 
That's Absolutely. A, it's amazing. It doesn't even have yeah. to have tin in it as well as Graham kind of explained. So, you know, it's, it's a really quick process. We have it boiled down to a science. And, uh, you know, yeah, going back to kind of the 20 versus 25, uh, all depends on the borrower's goals. But that's what me and Graham are here for, to walk the borrowers through the pricing difference, through the break-evens on the cash flow, through, oh, you know, do they want to buy down points? That's what is kind of our bread and butter. And, uh, and you know, as investors, you know, I am myself, and of course, along with Graham, we understand those goals. And, uh, and yeah, we're just, you know, here to share and educate with our clients and go from there. Yeah, you guys really do get it. I mean, I've spent a lot of time talking to Graham, you know, outside of, of, of yeah, at work events and stuff like that. But you guys really understand investing as a whole. And I would argue that you're almost more counselors to them than anything else. And that is one of those aspects that people are going to miss if they don't reach out to someone like you guys who really gets this. There's a couple of, of these uh, real big benefits that you are going to get if you reach out and you work with, with someone like Graham and Aaron. One of them is you're going to get their experience and their insights and their direction. Now, I know there's rules guiding how much they can, you know, they're not financial advisors, but at the same time, they they understand investment real estate and they can help guide you to make the right decisions on the mortgage part. The second part that you guys don't even ever talk about that to me is one of the most important parts about going to someone like you and not their local bank or anyone else is that you protect them in some ways that I don't think you guys even fully appreciate how much you protect your clients because you have this pool of appraisers that actually understand our product um, that, that investors invest in and that go out and do this every day. You're not just tapping into some random mortgage guy who has just calls from a list of, of appraisers. You guys have prove appraisers that have a proven track record of understanding investment properties and appraising them accordingly. And I don't think people understand what a great protection that is when you have a mortgage company that is backed by people who are experienced, who understand investment real estate, and will keep you out of trouble. There's so many times where... Um, I've seen someone use a bank that they shouldn't for investment properties, and it goes badly because either the appraiser has no idea, doesn't understand investment real estate, and underappraises it, or even overappraises it, and the person should not have paid that. So there's some aspects to working with you guys beyond what I think you guys even really may may know that you're doing for your clients. Yeah, the appraisal thing is is an ongoing process of making sure we have the right uh, cast of characters in place. And we try to keep that list down where, like you say, your big banks or other large organizations, they work with a third party appraisal company. As you say, it's a random dial and the dial could be within 25 people. But, you know, they may get this one guy says, OK, I'll take the order. But he's in 50 miles away in another zip code. He doesn't even know your market. So that's the great thing about having the fine-tuned, vetted uh, appraisers on our, our list so we can utilize those, you know, over and over and over. And it's not a very big list per market, which is great. So what's the what's the first what you would you suggest to uh, people that are listening to this that haven't bought real estate before? What is their first step? Is it to call you guys? Is it as simple as that? Yeah, we do kind of a preliminary interview up front, kind of find out what's going on. And a lot of times when people say they're self-employed, that's another thing you got to touch on. It's like, well, I'm self-employed. I whittled down my taxes. Well, how far? 
you know, is it in the black or is it in the red? I mean, well, I don't know. Well, then send me a copy of your tax returns and let us see if we can get enough meat out of there of income to make it work. And if we can't, then we convert this thing over to another type of loan, which is the, the DSCR lending type product, which they don't get the income. They focus on the property. So there's several ways to skin a cat. But the main thing is, give us a call up front. One of the things I share with a lot of my clients is that, you know, both Aaron and I are investors and I've been at it for 19 years, I guess. When I tell people that, I tell them what my inventory portfolio is like, they go, oh, okay, well, that's It's like they just got this instant peace of mind. I said, you know, you got two hats. You got one as a loan officer, one as an investor. And as an investor, all I can do is give you my opinion. Oh, okay. And trust me, they call up and ask a lot of questions and a lot of opinions. And I don't mind that. I like talking shop. I love it. I mean, I know how passionate you are about real estate period. You're not just a, a guy out here trying to sell mortgages. You're investing yourself. You're encouraging Aaron to invest and, and everyone, you love talking to clients about this stuff. You're, you're, you're an amazing resource um, in all aspects. And I think that the first step to investing should always be to get a mortgage person in your corner that understands you. And I think the first phone call people should make is, is to get set up with you and then they can always make the next steps. You know, the other, the other thing is, uh, if they call somebody like you, Graham, you know, every darn, um, uh, you know, company across the nation that sells good investment properties. So you can probably help guide them to the right locations and some of the, some of the right people across the nation. Oh, I have my opinion about certain markets and you're actually in a good one. Cause I wouldn't be owning property in your market if it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're honored uh, to have you as a customer and you know, we like being customers of yours also. And I, I personally like the fact that, you know, our, our mortgage, you know, a representative is using phrases like there's more than one way to skin a cat, right. you know, because, uh, that's kind of that, uh, that good old boy thing. That, so uh, are you that from I, Texas originally? To. No, I'm okay. from Memphis, Tennessee originally, okay. but I uh, moved all over the country during my corporate days. And I specifically came back to Dallas about 30 years ago. So, uh, I've been there ever since. So Dak Prescott or no, you hear that from Cowboy fans all the time. Well, no, maybe you can answer that question. When he was getting that award at the Super Bowl, were you, the ones, the, uh, were you the ones booing him or clapping? No, no, listen. That's a disgrace. I told my kids, I said, this is the most important award a person can can ever be awarded in football. It is the yeah. most important award times a thousand. And if you don't respect the person that... I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I get worked up here. That, that that is a disgrace. I don't care what he if you like him on the field or don't like him on the field. He was being he was receiving an award for being a, an amazing human being outside of football, and for you to boo that is pathetic. Sorry. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and we're going to blame uh, a lot of that on uh, the Eagles. So yeah, we'll leave it. <laughs> yeah, that. well, that's, right. that's that's funny that you say that because like I was kind of behind the whole Jalen Hurts story line. I wasn't necessarily like a like rooting for the Eagles as I was more rooting for Jalen Hurts um, for the Super Bowl. But then after. I heard that them booing uh, Dak Prescott, and we uh, we know how Philly fans are. Right. And I knew that there was Philly fans. I immediately shifted, said, "You know what? 
Kansas City go out there and beat their butt. <laughs> you know, they they yep. didn't, but I mean, at least they at least they won. But yeah, that was a it was a disgrace. It was a disgrace. You know, that that's all that matters in life. It's we're on this yeah. planet for a short period. The stuff that you do for work is what you do for work. You know, the, there's more important things, and if you can't rise above that, then shame on shame on you. Exactly. But we could keep you here for hours talking about all of this real estate and all of this, but we only have a limited time, and we know we got to let you go. So I wanted to end with with three questions and I'm going to start with Graham with the first two and I'm ending with you Aaron on the third one I'm saving the hard one for you Aaron <laughs> let's do it all right so so Graham what's your what's your greatest real estate decision you ever made well I've never been asked that so let me think about this um I guess the day that I said, let's go ahead and do the number one. And I jumped in. I didn't know anything. I mean, I, we closed a bunch of loans for investors. We see how happy they are, the whole nine yards. I said, well, I need to get into this. Got into it, closed that first one. I was so excited. I mean, it was a $29,000 condo, downtown Dallas. It's like, oh my God. And today I still wouldn't go in that neighborhood. But the fact of the matter is, I flipped that property six months later and made a profit. So I was really excited about that little condo. But after that, I've been just expanding. It's been great. I've loved it. That's a great answer. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a great answer. And we ask these questions a lot. And I'm amazed at how often uh, the answer is just getting into it is, is usually people's greatest, you know, experience with real estate. It's that first property, even the ones that go wrong. Um, all right. So the second question is, do you have any real estate regrets? Uh, yes. Get with the people that you trust. Uh, I bought some properties in the Dallas and Fort Worth area that I recognized after 2008, I probably shouldn't have. So I got rid of them, but the provider at the time was saying, Hey, this is a good deal. Let's get it. And, and, you know, at the time it looked great on paper, but I didn't really check out the demographics of the neighborhood and the whole nine yards. Like I encourage everybody to do. And so ultimately I ended up selling those properties because it was, it was a challenging neighborhood. But beyond that, I really don't have any regrets. I, I just wished I had started earlier. There's my biggest regret. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a, it's a very honest regret and one that we share, even though I started early, I wish I would have held on to more, but, um, so Aaron, we're going to finish up with you. What advice do you have for your generation and the generation even younger than you? I hate to kind of drum on the same point, but, uh, and me and Graham have kind of been hammering this home maybe the past six months in this really higher, you know, interest rate environment we've, you know, been in, but you know, don't be afraid to get your feet wet and and jump in. And you know, being with Graham for coming up on nine years now, uh, you know, I've had a great person in my corner to kind of learn from. And you know, started my first one, uh, a new build, about a year and a half ago, uh, which actually just came to fruition last month. Very, you know, nice. just awesome feeling to get that first one under the belt. Just. Can't go on and on. Go, about Aaron. That. Go, Aaron. Yeah. Go, Aaron. Go, <laughs> Aaron. Now, what was that other thing you were asking me to learn how to do? Freestyle. Before coming into this industry, uh, you know, I really was a newbie when it came to mortgages, and it's a scary word. You, you you just go to Google, and there's all types of information. You can go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole, and and end up leaving that evening more confused than when you jumped in. And and it really doesn't have that be that confusing. It's not hard to buy a house. Uh, I would argue it's easier to, to, you know, get a loan, buy a house through us than go buy a car. And I'm sure a lot of us newbie investors have bought a car, gone through that 
uh, you know, quote unquote hell, at least a time or two by now. So it's don't be afraid uh, when when you're watching this, you can know in a day, two days from now. Oh, I you know checked out my stuff with Graham. I could buy four new investment properties today if I wanted. Figure out that information. Even if you get pre-qualified, you don't have to make a decision right away. But figure out, you know, don't sit on the sideline. Don't be afraid. Uh, and especially something as easy as getting pre-qualified for a loan. Check it out. At least see what your borrowing capacity is and, and take it one step at a time. That's, but that would be my advice. My advice. Just don't hesitate. It's such, it's free. Yeah, it's such it's good free. advice. Completely you free. know, the, the best time to get a financial advisor, the best time to reach out and figure out what you can qualify for a mortgage is before you need it. People don't realize that, 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 you know, the sooner they call you guys, the better, because you're going to set the right goals for them that they need to reach in order to get that mortgage. You don't have to have millions of dollars in the bank to call these guys. In fact, you don't have to have any, you can call them and say, okay, how much am I going to need? And they'll, they're willing to talk to you. They'll help exactly. guide you. And if you don't have those goals in mind, then it's harder. But if you call them, don't be scared that you're not there yet. You should start now, even if you're yep. not there. Every single application that we get in, we we review, we visit with that person. You're not going to get blown off because maybe you don't think you fit, uh, you know, guidelines you have in your head. We're here to help. That's that's what we're all about. So you know, explore that option. Well, talking about being able to to, to call a mortgage professional or contact a mortgage professional, how can um, our listeners reach you guys at Highlands Mortgage? Our eight hundred number is eight five five. Three two six six eight zero two. If you call, if I'm on the phone, leave a message. I'll call you right back within the hour. The other way is if you want to uh, email us, the best way to do it is at the Parham team email. That's T-H-E-P-A-R-H-A-M-T-E-A-M at highlandsmortgage.com because one of our teammates will pick it up. We'll respond back to you you know, quite quickly. And of course, Scott, you know, when, when your, your team is referring, typically they'll have all the information. As long as I get a phone number, I will call you back. Yes, he will. And uh, if you go to the homeboyspodcast.com, we're going to have a resource page there shortly that's going to have contact information for folks like like Graham and some of our other guests that, that we know people have been reaching out and asking for. But uh, I, I really highly suggest that no matter where you are in your investing journey, if you haven't even began this is the first this is the first step this is an easy first step you just pick up the phone graham is is an unbelievably fun guy to talk to he's got all kinds of great southern boy sayings i thought they were texas what? saying but apparently they're part memphis and part texas sayings he's a blast and he's he he's got the knowledge and he's got the patience and aaron his right hand man is leading the way too so you're in good hands pick up the phone call those guys i really mean it it's a great first step for anyone listening that hasn't bought any or is kind of at a standstill and we appreciate having you guys on today just one last quick thing you have to make it up to indianapolis come hang out with the oh, boys. I, I don't know how many times I've told Aaron since COVID that we need to make it yeah. up to the Midwest. I'm dying to get up there to see those, those houses. I'm, I bought this one and it, it kind of went against my uh, threshold of, of age of property. But Jamie turned me on just as a 1949 build. I love that property. I know each one, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Right. 
the trees, the appearance. I mean, that, it's an adorable house. I can't wait to get up here and look at that one. Well, you get up here. Scotty and I take food very seriously. We'll show you guys <laughs> a, a great time around the city. You know, get some good steaks, some barbecue. But uh, we appreciate all you guys have done for us, and we just we look forward to um, a long relationship, and we look forward to our listeners reaching out to you guys, getting getting going. Send me some of that gecko uh, uh, shrimp sauce. Oh, yeah, the St. Elmo's. Our, our, uh, yes. What's the name of that? St. Elmo's. St. Elmo's. St. Elmo, yeah, oh, St. Yeah. Elmo's. That's, oh, that's, that, that'll kill you. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's legit. He can, he can eat it by the pound. <laughs> that's right. Well, thanks again, fellas. Uh, so that's, that's our show. If you've made it this far, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helps us to grow our podcast and reach as many people as we can to help them understand the world of real estate investing. You can also find some short form content on TikTok. Our TikTok is at the Homeboys Podcast, and you can join the revolution there. We thank our guests, Graham and Aaron, very much for being on our show today. Till next time, happy investing.